Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever episode of The Golden Ticket. I'm Dan from Gotham Gambling. We're here to bring the slate for the upcoming NFL, MLB, and NBA season straight to you. So a little introduction to myself. Like I said, my name is Dan. I run uh, the Gotham Gambling Twitter and TikTok page uh, with me and my partner, Frank. We've, we've been posting bets for about two and a half years now and working towards uh, bringing our broadening our horizons and working towards reaching out to more people. I'm glad we got to we're working with for frequency's sake over here and bring, be able to bring this show to you guys. So upcoming today, we're going to break down the schedule. We're going to have some MLB bets for the late night games on the West Coast, some postseason predictions, NBA future bets that you might want to take a look at, some Monday night football bets before the game starts tonight, and some NFL bets for the week two slate. Let's get started. Our first bet we're going to look at today, we're going to look on the baseball side out on the West Coast, Cubs versus Rockies. Now, a lot of people might not take a look at this game because the Rockies have been struggling this year. They've won two of their last 10, only won one of their last five home games. But this is a big game. The Rockies have a chance to be spoilers. The Cubs, after having a rough weekend against the Diamondbacks, still find themselves a couple games behind the Brewers. This is a must-win series as the Brewers are facing off against uh, another wild card competitor in the Marlins. Now, this is a chance for the Marlins to kind of be spoilers for the Brewers season and the Cubs to gain some pace back going up against this struggling Rockies team. They're, like I said, three games behind. Brewers struggle against the type of pitching that the Marlins are throwing out of them. And being in the easiest ballpark to hit home runs in against the struggling team, it, everything goes in the Cubs' favor for this next couple days. They can really take an advantage. They can almost potentially take over the NL Central and force the Brewers into a wild card race with a sweep as long as the Brewers don't come out and take down the Marlins. Now, we're looking at the pitching matchup here. We've got Kyle Freeland on the mound for the Rockies. Not a great season for him. He's got six, only six wins on the year with an over five ERA. He's going up against the rookie Wicks, who has been very, very dominant in a couple starts he's had this year, posting a 2.1 ERA in his three starts. He's actually only given up more than one run in one game, and it was a three. It was three runs to I believe it was the Reds in his last game he pitched. So it's 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 definitely something to take a look at with you have a rookie pitcher he's pitched well his era shows he's going to be on pace for a great great rest of the season but he's going up against a team that can hit the ball as bad as they are they have been able to hit the ball pretty hard this year especially against left-handed pitching they have about four batters hitting over 500 against lefties in the last couple months and this ball the ball flies if, if you know anything about colorado as high up as that ballpark is that ball is going to fly out of the park so he's going to keep his winning streak alive but hopefully the bats can get going for the cubs i could definitely see this being like a very high scoring game uh, according to the uh, ballpark pal weather predictor um the wind's going to be blowing out towards left center field where there's a night where there's going to be a nice easy it's going to be a nice easy home run day there's a 25 percent increase in the projected amount of runs scored in the game uh, if you take a deeper look in this game, this, this is definitely a must-win for the Cubs. They have to they have to capitalize. They're about to go on a six-game span of terrible teams. This is their chance to really take over that NL Central. Um, we're going to go with the Cubs to win today. We're going to take the Cubs' money line and put a little bit of money also onto that over. I know it's high, 
It's going up close to 12 and a half the last I checked. Uh, we'll take one last look at it real quick. Yep, now it's it's actually down to 11 and a half. So I would take some money on that as well. Um, look for a high scoring game out in the Rockies today um, with a rookie pitcher who I, I think he could dominate today, but I think it's it's going to be a real test. You got We got to see how he's going to do for the first time when he's going to be giving up runs. He's, he's going to see how he's going to adjust when he starts giving up a couple home runs and the team starts actually scoring on him. And the next game we're going to look at is actually in, uh, even farther out west. We're going to look out in California at the Angels versus the Mariners. Now, this is going to be an interesting game because Shohei's back in the lineup after his injury. You got the Mariners who they hit a hot streak. They took over first place, and now they're slowly starting to fall out of contention for that AL West after the last couple of days. They played great this weekend against the Rays, but their problem is that the Astros are catching fire. And no one really likes watching the Astros catch fire. Uh, so in this game, we're going to take probably one of the hottest hitters since the All-Star break. We're going to take Julio Rodriguez to get at least one and a half bases. So two singles, one double, one triple, one home, whatever it is, he's going to get at least two bases in today's game. He's faced Reed Detmers six times. He's one for three with three walks. His one hit was a home run. Um, this year against left-handed pitchers, He's hitting 320 with an 860 on base and slugging percentage. He's really hitting the ball hard. His hard contact rate and his barrel rate are up compared to right-handed pitchers. And the pitches that he is throwing, uh, Detmers is throwing out there for the Angels, it's Julio likes to feast on him. You know, he's gotten his strikeouts are lower on the fastball and the cutter, the two and the curveball, excuse me, that the two pitches that Reed Detmers has been trying to focus on this year. And his on-base average has gone up even higher for big moment hits, um, as well as his slugging. So look, look for Julio to really launch that ball out of here today. Another stat um, that I found really interesting in this game is his uh, his batting average for balls in play. And for anyone that you know isn't much of an advanced statistic guru who doesn't really follow the stat the numbers that well, what that means is it, the average his hitting average on balls that are not home runs. Are not strikeouts the balls that are ground outs fly outs single doubles triples this in his career he's hitting 430 against lefties and not to mention that's everything everything but home runs and strikeouts so he's putting that ball into play very frequently and when he is he's putting it in the gaps no one can touch it this bet has cashed in three of his last games it was against two lefties as well so this isn't like he's been facing um, different type of pitching. All the pitching he's faced this weekend is similar to what Detmers is throwing, but from some probably better arms. So I really like Julio to uh, cash this one out here in the late night game. Take, let me take his over one and a half bases at a unit. Um, and we look more into the MLB slate. There's a lot of good matchups coming up this week, especially with, you know, there's about two weeks left in the season. And this is a big this is a big time for a lot of teams. You know, I mean, the Braves are playing right now. They brought back Kyle Wright for the first time since his injury. It's it's not looking great right now. He's he seems to be struggling a bit, but you know, I think he's going to eventually turn it around. The Braves the Braves are probably one of the scariest teams I think I've seen in a while. Um, you know, you got a team who didn't have doesn't have majority of their rotation for the whole season. They've really had. There are three mainstays. You have Morton, Elder, and Strider. And then you've just been, they've been rotating pitchers. Chirinos, Darius Vines, uh, Soroka came back for a while, rookie Smith Shaver. 
uh, Dodge, Schuster, they've really just been throwing pitchers out there to fill in that void until Freed came back, until right, until Kyle Wright came back. And from what we've seen now, Freed's looking like like his Cy Young self. He's looking like a top-tier pitcher again. Kyle Wright, we still got to see. This is his first game back. But between all of that, only having really three pitchers for the majority of the season and being the first team to 90 games, first team to clinch, just really shows you how good this team is. Uh, if we look across the slate tonight, you have the Rangers and the Blue Jays. That's a, game, that's a wild card race that I think a lot of people are going to be paying attention to. You have a Blue Jays team who really struggled. I, I don't think they're going to do anything in the playoffs. I think this is more of a test year to see um, who they're going to keep and who they're going to trust in the playoffs next year. Um, I, I think the way the playoffs is going right now, they're just trying to survive and see if they can make it and make it through, make it at least to the wild card. Uh, you got the Yankees and Red Sox playing tonight. The Twins and Rays are playing. That's going to be a great matchup between two top-tier pitchers. And you even got uh, San Francisco's playing Cleveland. And Cleveland's still fighting for a wild-card spot. I think I think they're going to surprise people. I think a couple bad games from, like, the Rangers and the Blue Jays can really kind of put the um, Guardians somewhere in there. They're still a couple games behind. But you look at the Yankees, who they already lost Dominguez. They're still struggling. You look at the Red Sox, who – you know, you never know where they're going to go. They they start out great, then they struggle for a couple games, and then they play good, and then they they just bounce back and forth. I think they're about to hit probably a slump, a slump that's going to put them completely out of playoff contention. And the Guardians have a you know a fairly not too a pretty tough schedule coming up. You know, they got the Rangers, the Giants, the Orioles, and the Reds um, before finishing off the season with the Royals and the Tigers. So I think this is really the time where they're going to have to show what they're worth and see if they can make a playoff uh, run with that roster. Another team that injuries have just been hurting them all season. Um, as we look at, we're going to take a quick look at the uh, postseason and what we're looking at right now is the current standings. You know, you have a couple teams who are pretty much guaranteed their spots. I mean, I, I think the Orioles have been one of those teams that. If you told me at the beginning of the year the Orioles would be the first team in the American League to 90 games and would have a and would be the first would more than likely look like the first seed in the American League, I I wouldn't have, I would have put good money against that. But the Orioles are a team that um, I think they could go pretty far. I think this is one of those years you have an inexperienced team that's just playing it game by game. They're not thinking far ahead. They're just trying to win each game at a time while a lot of these other teams are trying to catch up and which is going to make them scary for the foreseeable future. You have three or four of, your, of their starting players less than 25 years old, and they're just going to keep going and keep going while um, the AL East is just turned into the tougher division. Um, but I'm going to make my official prediction, what we're going to see for the playoffs. I think, Everyone's going to stay where they're at right now. I think the three wild cards in the American League are going to be the Rays, the Jays, and the Mariners. But I don't think any of them go that far. I think the Orioles and the Astros are going to see each other in the championship series, and the Orioles are going to advance to the World Series. I think everything just went too far against the Astros this year. They haven't really synced as a squad. And I think that's just going to be enough that's going to put them behind and the Orioles are just going to take one game at a time 
And it's gonna go, it's gonna be close, but I think the Orioles are gonna pull that one out. And we look over at the National League, and you already have the Braves that have clinched. You got the Dodgers and the Brewers leading their division. And you got a, a wild card race that's really going to be interesting to watch over the last couple of weeks. You got the Phillies, the Cubs, and the Diamondbacks within two games of each other. And behind them, you have the Marlins, who's half a game behind the Diamondbacks. You got the Giants, who are at one and a half games. And you got the Reds that are one and a half games. And a lot of these teams are playing each other over the last couple of weeks. A lot of these. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what um, is going to happen between these teams. And the Phillies are playing the Braves right now. That's going to be a tough one for the Braves to swallow. It's, I just looked at the score right now, and it's not even pretty. I'm not even going to say it out loud. Um, the Cubs have a couple of division games coming up, and, but they seem to have a fairly easy schedule going into the last couple of games. Yeah, if you look at their schedule, they have the Rockies coming up right now. They have the Diamondbacks on Fridays on the weekend where they're going to have – that's going to be the big one. If they can pull out that one, I know they struggled against them in Wrigley. If they can pull that one out in Arizona, they can really kind of – separate themselves from the rest of the wild card. But then they have the Pirates, the Rockies again. But they're going to finish the season up against the Brewers. And I think if they can try to get a hold of that division to where they can win it at American Family Field out in Milwaukee, it's going to really solidify what they're going to do. I don't think anyone was thinking that they were going to play the way they were this year. I thought they were still a year or two away. Um, but they really, really shocked me. So I'm, I'm really, as a Dansby Swanson fan, I'm, I'm very excited to see what they're going to do. Um, I think Philly's going to keep that wild card spot. There's no way they're catching the Braves right now. The Braves' magic numbers is four right now, and they're playing the Phillies all weekend. I, I don't see them making it, um, making any kind of run for that division title. Uh, I think the Diamondbacks might fall off. I think that's the one that. They just haven't impressed me. They have a very weird schedule coming up to finish the year. They're playing the Mets right now, and but they don't have the top tier of their pitching rotation in. Um, they face, like I said, they face the Cubs, and then they have to face the Giants, who's another wild card team. But then they finish their season with the White Sox and the Astros. And I think the Cubs series is going to be the big one because if they can't find any kind of traction. And while the Marlins get hot or the Giants get hot, they're going to lose out on that playoff spot. And especially going into the Astros last weekend, that's not a matchup you want to have if you're struggling for the last couple games to finish off a wild card spot. So I, they're another team I was very surprised at them this year. Um, I figured they weren't going to be anywhere near a playoff team until Drew Jones came up. So I thought it was a couple years away. But Corbin Carroll, um, Zach Gallon, Merrill Kelly, they, that team really shocked me. Um, for how well they're playing in such a tough division. Um, but in the NL, I have it going to be the Dodgers and the Braves. I think the Phillies are going to take care of the Brewers, and they're going to have to face the Dodgers. And the Cubs are going to, ha are going to take down the Miami Marlins. I think the Miami Marlins are going to take that last playoff spot over the Diamondbacks. They have probably the easiest schedule of all three of the playoff chasing teams that are not in the four, the the, five, the seven, eight, and nine teams, the Reds, Giants, and them, uh, because they face the Mets twice and the Pirates once. And 
Currently, they're playing the Brewers. They play the Brewers one more time. If they can pull some games out of there, they can really make a a statement for themselves and make that last playoff spot. Um, but I think it's going to be the Braves and the Dodgers again. I mean, we see this matchup just about every single year. Uh, as a Braves fan, it gets me nervous every single year because you never know what's going to happen. But if you, the Braves really handled the Dodgers well this year. And I think it's going to be another year for the Braves to make the World Series. And my final prediction will be the Braves are going to beat the Orioles in six. It's going to be in. It's going to be just like when they played the Ash. It's going to excuse me. It's going to be opposite of how they played the Astros. They're going to dominate at home. They're going to win it at home in front of their home crowd, and they're going to bring their second title home in three years. And so we're now we're going to move on to the NBA. NBA season is right around the corner. We're just about a month and a half away from preseason. Um, so this is the perfect time when you're betting to look at NBA futures because they still don't have enough information about the teams to decide what their win lines are, who their predictions are to win the divisions, win the conferences. They're still kind of going off what they saw from the trade deadlines, the draft, the roster. So, you know, a lot of these teams see, you know, oh, the Lakers got these guys, um, this team got this guy but they don't know how they're going to play yet. They haven't seen anything from preseason to see how that rotation is going to be made, how they're going to be utilized. And this is the best time to take advantage of some lines that are, have some really good value that a lot of the sports books just are not looking at. So we have, we have four of them we're going to cover today. Uh, some of the, We got some win totals, and we actually have some prize pick plays. And if you're not familiar with prize picks, it's a multiplier betting app. You put in your bets, and instead of a certain odd, you either get three times, five times, 10 times, or 20 times your money. So we have a couple three times uh, parlays that you can put into prize picks that I feel very confident are going to hit this year. And I really like to see um, it's, it's making me like ready for the NBA season. I can't wait for it to start because um, I'm, I'm very confident in all these picks. So we're going to start off with we have the Lakers under 47 and a half wins. I don't understand why this line is so high. I, I really don't. I think it's LeBron going into, what is it, you're 22, you're 23 now. Like the hype into it. Um, I'm, I'm a big LeBron guy, but I, I can't see it happening. They, they're, they're, this is an injury-prone roster. You know, you look at their roster, you still have Anthony Davis, who can't play a full season to save his life. He's he's made out of glass. You have D'Angelo Russell, who he's just been so streaky. I don't know if I can if you can really trust him until you really see how he's gonna do. Um, LeBron's been dealing with injuries the last couple of years. Uh Rui's had injuries in his past. Christian Wood is good but i they just signed him the other day i think it's a great signing but he's just like anthony davis he has not been able to stay healthy when he's when he's healthy he's great i think he, he's a great player off the bench i think it was a good addition to the team but i just i don't see anything happen they they were really good in free agency they they didn't go after stars like they did in the last couple of years and brought like they didn't try to bring in any of LeBron's buddies or they didn't try to bring in any of uh like big name stars that were just going to sell tickets they really realized that they're at a point right now they need to fill in the gap in their roster and I think they did a really good job with that you know they brought back Vanderbilt 
Uh, Gabe Vincent, I think, is a great signing. I think he I, he gives me very much Patrick Beverly vibes, the, the guy who's just going to lay it all out on the floor every single night. I think him playing with Jimmy Butler helped him with that. And I think between him and Cam Reddish, their bench defense is just going to be very, very solid this year. I know they're they're probably not going to get a lot of minutes because they're going to be behind uh, D'Angelo and LeBron but and Rui, but I, I I really like those additions. I'm big on Cam Reddish, even from when he was back with the Knicks. I was a big Cam Reddish supporter. I just hated Thibodeau would not play him. Uh, Jackson Hayes was a great addition, too. Um, I think they said they were trying to bring Anthony Davis back to his original position and not have him play the center and because he he seems to play better and more comfortably there, which I think that was a great reason to bring in like Christian Wood and Torian Prince and Anthony Davis, um, as well as you got Winyan Gabriel still. He's a very solid bench piece. Um, I think it's I think I think it's a great roster. I don't think it's going to go f- there. I don't think they're going to win forty eight games. Um, and they, like I said, they're injury prone. Most of these guys, when they get injured, it's not where I'm out for a couple games. It's I'm out for a couple weeks. And you saw it last year, even when LeBron was healthy, they were 33 and 49. They couldn't get any kind of synergy going. And I think that's been the problem with this team since the, the bubble season is they've all been so hurt. They can't get any kind of synergy going on the court. And that's been the issue the most the most years. Um, everyone talks about LeBron being the focal point. I th- Anthony Davis, to me, is the big focal point on this team because, of, because it takes the pressure off LeBron. If you have a guy that's going to give LeBron 20 and 10 every single night, he doesn't have to put up 40, 10, and 10 every night. He doesn't have to play like 20-year-old LeBron. And I think that's what people don't realize is that the whole point of building this roster was so LeBron doesn't have to give up, play like, like he's the only one on the court. He doesn't have to put up like the Russell Westbrook numbers when he won his MVP where he was scoring 30 and putting up triple doubles every night. It's great when he does, but they built this roster so he doesn't have to, but the injuries are still the issue. I, I, and you look at their schedule, they start the season off so badly. Like they, it's not, like a great schedule at all they start with nine of the 10 teams they play were playoff teams last year the only one i would put an asterisk next to is the nets because most of those wins were because of kevin durant and Kyrie. um i think the nets could make the playoffs this year i think they did a good job rebuilding in such a short period but you look at the first month of the season alone they played the warriors twice they played the suns twice the kings twice the nuggets and then, you know, they got the Magic twice, who I think might shock people. I think they I don't think they're gonna be make the playoffs, but they're gonna pull off some upsets this year. Like their their first month of the season, they play nothing but playoff teams. And as much as that's good because then they can kind of hit that hit their stride against the bad teams and get ready, I think it's gonna put them too many losses to start the year to justify giving them a forty eight win season. So I, I like like I said, Lakers under forty seven and a half. It's minus one ten on DraftKings. So ten dollars wins you nine ninety five back. Um, I put twenty five dollars on this one. I I I can almost guarantee this one's a lock this year. Um, and if I'm wrong, I'll eat crow at the end of the season. Uh, so lock that one in. Lakers under forty seven and a half wins. 
So our next one is going to be a prize pick one. And this is one that I think they didn't – I think it's the stat-wise it makes sense why they put the lines here. But I think the way the teams are going to play this year, it's going to really hurt these guys. So I put Christoph's Porzingis is going under 18.9 points per game. So he just can't score 19 points per game. I, when he, If he was on the Wizards, I would say this is ridiculous. But he's so injury prone that it's it's almost laughable. Like this is the first, this is the most games he's played since his rookie season, and it was 50. He he barely played a f- half a season. You know, if you look at he played like there was two years in a row where he played 18 games, and that's yes, a seven foot three shooter is a great addition to your team. But when he jumps and every part of his leg just completely breaks, there's no point in having him and paying him all that money. Um, the, I thought the trade was great. I think he's going to work great on the Celtics, but I think people are overestimating how he's going to be used. It, this is still the Jason Tatum and the Jalen Brown show. They they paid those guys all that money for, for a reason, and, and it's not to give up their points to Christoph Porzingis. It was to add a – a bigger presence knowing Al Horford was going is at the end of his career. And I think he's going to be, if, if the games get close or one of these guys gets hot, Porzingis isn't touching the ball. Like if you, you saw, if you watched Al Horford last year, when Tatum and Brown were struggling, he was scoring. And that wasn't that often. If one of them was off, the other one was on. There were very few games where both of them just sucked. And this and I, he's going to be another version of Al Horford that just happens to be seven foot three. He he's going to rebound for them. He he can put up 25, 30 points if he wants to. I'm I'm not going to deny that. He when he gets hot, it's scary. Um, if you watched any of his games with the Wizards last year, he when he got hot, um, he was shooting from like Steph Curry range and hitting shots. It was it was weird. Um. Because I've never seen that for him before, and I've been following him since he start since his rookie season with the Knicks. Um, he he's going to be in that Al Horford role. He's going to be the defense, the the height in the defense that Robert Williams can't bring, and Grant Williams couldn't bring last year. And he's going to make it hard for teams to go in because as good as Robert Williams is, I would be more scared of a seven foot three center than a six foot eight center in the NBA. If I'm if I'm a six ten player and I'm running to the basket I would much rather face up against a guy who's two inches shorter than me than almost a foot taller and so I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be great this year I think he's a perfect addition um I could see them making the finals again with him on the team um especially the height that's in the east he can definitely you know run with the best of them but I I would be surprised if he even made more than 15 points a game this season. I, I think he's going to be the corner three and D guy who, when they need it, he's going to get hot. But if not, his job is just to space the floor this year. Um, we're going to go to the other half of this parlay. It's Darius Garland of the Cleveland Cavaliers to get over seven and a half, 7.7 assists per game. And once again, before we go into this one, I'm just, all of these are going to be posted on our Twitter at Gotham Gambling at the end of the night tonight so you guys can all take a look at them we'll share them so you guys can click the links and put them in yourselves and also look at some of the other stuff be sure to give us a a follow on twitter we post uh daily baseball bets daily football bets we we post articles through substack through for frequency's sake 
about the upcoming slate, what to look for, how to find value in plays. We're not only showing you the best bets, we're teaching you how to become a better better. And this is all years of knowledge that we've learned over the years between being sports fans, looking at numbers, and just researching and watching how Vegas works with these. Because Vegas is really sneaky unless you can figure out how to play. So as we and we're gonna continue, Garland over seven point seven assists. I this is the easy, one of the easiest bets I've ever seen in my life. Garland was over this line last year. They the Cavaliers did brought nothing in to affect the amount of touches he's gonna have on the ball. The offense is going to run around him for pretty much the entire season. Yes, Donovan Mitchell is gonna go off for thirty a game. But they, they stated at the end of the season that they want to try to get um, they want to try to get Mobley and Allen more involved in the offense because you have these two seven-footers you're paying a lot of money, and they're just standing still. And the one thing I think Mobley needs is more touches on the ball, and I think he'll definitely become – I think he can potentially become a top-10 power forward in the league this season. I mean, you saw at the end of the year last year when they were – Given Mitchell and Garland a little rest, he was going off. He was putting up 30 and 10 on nights. He was getting near 20-20 nights with a couple blocks. He He's really taken from Mitchell and Allen and turned into a, a really, really great player that I'm really excited to see this year. <clears throat> um, they want to utilize a pick and roll more, and the thing with this team is they have so many good shooters that it's going to force them to leave someone open. And when Garland's running the pick and roll, He's going to dish it nearly every single time, but you have to watch out for his scoring. So if, if you look at the end of the season, he was averaging about eight and a half, nine assists per game to finish the season. So this is definitely something that it might be a stretch to start the year until they feel out how the offense goes. But I think it's going to be something that at, towards the end of the season, towards when Mitchell starts to get tired and they start resting him a little bit more, and Garland starts getting more minutes, he's going to push over this line with ease, and he's going to cash it out. Um, so that one is Porzingis under 18.9 points per game, Garland over 7.7 assists. Um, we're going to lock that one in. That's a two-leg bet. That's $10 to win 40 on prize picks. Uh, once again, that will be posted on at Gotham Gambling on Twitter, as well as it's going to be posted on our TikTok and our Instagram as well. The next one we have is going to be Tyrese Halliburton over 9.7 assists per game and Bradley Beal under 21.8 points per game. That's also a prize picks parlay. This one is probably my favorite one. I didn't even research this one um, until I, I knew I was going to bring it on this show. I, this was my gut check bet. I, this is something that from watching these guys play and watching what's going to happen this year, it's, it's almost a guarantee. Um, if you go to numberfire.com, they put up a bunch of projections for every single player for the upcoming season. Halliburton's projected almost 12 and a half assists per game. I, he's going to lead the league in assists this year. There's, there's no doubt about it. His passing has gotten so good, and the Pacers last year were just trying to find their identity. There were a lot of shooting. There was no defense. But now they have their identity. They know what they want to do. and. And bringing in Bruce Brown, they did. The only player they lost, uh, I believe, was Duarte. They might have let a couple other like smaller um, players go that weren't doing a lot in the rotation. But they brought in Bruce Brown to kind of guard the 
the guard position, the one through the three. So it took a little bit of pressure off of Jalen Smith and Miles Turner. This this was one of the worst teams in the league in points per game. They gave up nearly 120 points per game. They were the second worst team in the league with that. And because of that, Halliburton had to take over. Miles Turner had to take over. Buddy Heald had to shoot more. And their defense is going to be better this year, but I can still see them trailing a bit when it comes to the second half. And Halliburton is going to have to take over. He's going to have to start passing. They're going to have to run that pick and roll a little bit more. And now that he's found his shot, it's going to open up a lot more lanes. It's going to open up Turner. It's going to open up Heald. It's going to open up, you know, even McConnell. It's going to open up Buddy Heald and Bruce Brown. It's it's something that a lot of people, I think, are underestimating him because if you watch him play, it looks uncoordinated. It looks ugly. It looks it just it doesn't look like a basketball player. It looks like they found some kid who was six foot four and they brought him out of the rec center gym and they just gave him a Pacers jersey the way he shoots, the way he moves around the court. But it, it's something that a lot of players have praised for him. A lot of players think he's going to have a big year this year. Um, and I'm, I'm on the Halliburton train. He's one of my favorite players to watch. So let's, let's lock him in on that one. The other one, Bradley Beal, is in a very unique situation that he's never been in before in his career. Since he came out of Florida, he has been the go-to guy on his team every single year since he got drafted by the Wizards. And we saw what he does when he doesn't have to have the ball in his hand. We saw his year with Westbrook, and we saw how they played together and how great they were together, but the Wizards couldn't field a team around him. This is – he's projected at 19.2, which is another reason why I take this, because he's projected almost two and a half, almost three points below what – um, like prize picks, DraftKings, BetMGM, all of them are projecting him at. And like that's just that that's just too easy not to take. It's it's a system where he's not the main scorer. He's not gonna have the ball in his hands. He there's gonna be very few minutes in the game where it's gonna be him taking over the floor. You have Booker, you have Kevin Durant. We and a lot of people were thinking, you know, Booker's gonna be on the ball more. He's going to be running the point guard. Bradley Bill's going to get more chances. When Booker ran the ball more, he was still scoring 30 a game. So it's it's just the fact that you couldn't double him because you had Kevin Durant. And now you can't double him because you have Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. But I think Bradley Beal, his numbers are going to go down, but he's going to play better, if that makes sense. He's going to be a more well-rounded player. Um, I wouldn't even mind taking his assist line if you could find it somewhere. I think last I saw it was like four, but not a lot of – um, not a lot of uh, books are taking that because it's not it's not as enticing. No one really wants to see that. Um, because it, it it can be too easy to cash. But he he's gonna struggle to start the year. He it's it's gonna be tough for him because now he's got to share the ball. He can't be the one putting up forty points a game to save his team. He has to actually. He has to work for his shot, and he has to get high off less shots, and that's that's a hard thing for a player like that to deal with. So I, his line moved up a bit um, from, I think it was on DraftKings, it was like 20.2, and they went up to 21.8, which so I don't know if maybe like if Kevin Durant's not healthy or they saw something they might want to do with the offense with the new coaching. 
Um, I know under Monty Williams, this this would definitely um, this would definitely catch the under. But with the new coach in, we don't really know he's going to run his system yet. So it remains to be seen. But go ahead and lock in Bradley Beal under 21 and 0.8 points per game. Um, you know, even with that, I like I said, Booker's going to be on the ball more, and we saw what he did. I wouldn't even mind putting a little bit of money on Devin Booker's um, over on assists. It's at six right now. And the 10 games that he ran point in the playoff while Chris Paul was out, he was averaging nine and a half assists per game. So I, this is definitely something else that you could lock in. I, that's what I'm going to wait on. I want to see how they're going to, how they're going to run this team the first couple of games. But if you want to put a little bit of money on that, I, I wouldn't mind that one. And our final basketball future um, to start the year is going to be the Pacers to make the play in and the Pacers to make the playoffs. Now, I know I just kind of I kind of crapped all over them right there about how bad their defense is, and it's probably not going to be that much better this year. Like I said, Bruce Brown's great, but I don't think Bruce Brown is going to single-handedly put this team on his back defensively and make them a top-tier defense. I think his role was just to slow down the Donovan Mitchells, the Jalen Brunsons, the Trey Youngs, the the players who were just going to put up 50 on them without trying. Um, are they going to be a better defensive team? Yes. Are they going to be a top tier? No. But if you look at their division, the teams they have to play the most, you have the Bucks, who are going to be dominant. You have the, the Pistons, who are horrible. That's the best way to put it. They're probably, unless Cade Cunningham comes back this year, they're going to be fighting for the number one seed or the number one pick in the draft again. The Bulls are on their last leg before they rebuild. I wouldn't be surprised if by the halfway through the season, they're completely done. Um, and to the Pacers' favor, majority of their rest of their season against the Bulls is going to be after the trade deadline. So if you see uh, DeRozan and Levine go, um, Pacers are probably going to lock those couple games, circle those games in their book, and they're going to take them down. you got the Cavs who are going to be dominant. But it's the way their schedule ends is what I was looking at because they're playing a lot of teams that are either going to be resting players or are going to be rebuilding, fighting for a draft pick. You look at their March through April, they got the Spurs, who might be a playoff contender. I don't think so. You got the Magic. You have the Thunder. You have the Bulls. You have the Pistons, the, the Nets three times, twice. You got the Raptors, who I are probably going to start the rebuild this year, and then you got the Cavs and the Hawks the last two games of the year, and I think those two teams are going to be sitting their stars because it's the last two games of the year and get them prepared for the playoffs. So I think the play-in for sure, it, it's easy money. It's minus one ten. They they're easily going to be a top ten team. That's all they got to do is be a top ten team out of the fifteen teams in the East this year. I think the teams that I have projected to be in the play-in as well, um, I, after doing our numbers and running our system, we got the Hawks and the and and the Nets as the two play as a seven and the eight seed, and I have the Bulls at the nine seed, but that's if they don't trade anyone away. Um, I I think they can take down one of those two one of those teams. I think the Nets can't match up with them. And I think the Bulls are just going to fight for a playoff spot and they're going to let everyone go at the end of the year. So I, I see them taking the eight seed and the Hawks taking the seven there. 
but they there there's something special brewing in Indiana but because it's a mid-market team no one really pays attention to it so that's and that's one of the things that's beautiful with betting is you can take advantage of these lines because Vegas is more worried about the Lakers they're not worried about the Pacers so lock that one in Pacers to make the play in and Pacers to make the playoffs that's double your money odds for the playoffs and just under double your money odds for them just to be in the top 10 of the league this year all right and we're going to get to the segment now that i know a lot of you guys are waiting for monday night football is tonight it's going to be a very weird game i'm out in new york right now it is thundering and raining and on and off crazy weather for the last six hours now it was horrible yesterday and you saw what happened it was a lot of running not a lot of passing granted the cowboys just blew them out of the water and they didn't need to pass the rest of the game but still so we got two bets for you tonight in the AFC East matchup. First one's going to be, we're going to take the under. Now I moved the lineup just a little bit because DraftKings had a boost on it and I could still get good money on it. The under is set currently at under 45 and a half total points scored between the two teams. Correction, it's at 44 now since the rain. But we got this the other day at under 48 and a half. That's beautiful odds. I, the weather's so bad, they're, not, they're, they're very rarely going to be throwing the ball. This is going to be a running game. These are two of the best defenses in the NFL. you got a top-tier defense behind Aaron Rodgers and in the secondary, and you have a solid defensive line and linebacker core like Von Miller, Matt Milano for the Bills. I think this game's going to come down to the run game. And with the run game, there's not. it's going to be two yards here, three yards here, a lot of field goals. I still think there's going to be some touchdowns. I think this line's going to run close, but I think it's still going to go under. Um, so far in primetime, last year, the under hit in about 70% of the primetime games, Sunday night, Monday night, and Thursday nights. Primetime games right now are 2-0 and on the under, but they've both been very close. The Chiefs game was under by one point on Thursday night. The game last night was under by five points. Granted, if the Cow- if the Giants would have hit that field goal in the second quarter, thanks, Graham Gano, um, that, that would have went over. So let's lock in the under. We'll see if we can get a 3-0 sweep on the under on primetime games tonight. And ex- like I said, expect a running game. Expect a gritty, hard-fought game in the trenches that's going to end up being – it's going to come down to a field goal. I can call that right now. I think, I think my prediction, Buffalo is going to kick a field goal at the end and win the game. And I'm not just saying that because I have Tyler Bass on my fantasy team. <laughs> and we're going to go to our primetime parlay. Now, we didn't get one in in time yesterday. There was Nothing looked good to me in that game, and I'm really glad we didn't because that was, like I said, horrendous. We're going to keep talking about that one for a while. But we got one here today for you. We got a three-leg parlay. It's triple your money odds, $10 to win 31 And we're going to cash it. We're going to try to cash this one out. We're going to see how we do this season on primetime game parlays. Last year we went 25 and 10 on the games we put a parlay in for, but we didn't have as high odds. We're going to try to bump the odds up some this year, and we're going to try to make sure we can cash these out every single time. So our three-leg parlay tonight is going to be Buffalo to score two touchdowns. It's simple. As much, this is going to be a run game, but Josh Allen's still going to get his ball on the field. My my personal call, first touchdown for the Bills is going to be Gabe Davis. If you want to lock that one in, it's plus one 
excuse me, plus 385 for a first touchdown on DraftKings right now. You got James Cook, not Dalvin Cook, James Cook for the Buffalo Bills. He's going to get at least 40-plus rushing yards today. Since Singletary's gone, he I think he's going to run most of the, the running game. Um, he struggled last year to start the year, but I think they have more confidence in him this year. Damian Harris is going to get some touches, but I think he's going to – take over the passing downs more than the running downs. I think they're going to try to make sure they push the ball through with Cook this year. Because th this isn't a running team. This this team is designed to throw for 50 times a game. So it's it's a perfect time to really make sure you can get James Cook going after a tough season last year. Um, and He's playing against his brother. He's He's got something going for him. He's got to make sure he gets this one through. And he's going to make sure he's, he's definitely going to go over on this one. There's, there's a little family rivalry on the line for this game. And the last leg is going to be Josh Allen, 30 plus attempts. I know we said it's a running game, but like I said, this team is built to pass and Josh Allen is going to be dropping back a lot. And especially when it comes towards the end of the first half and the uh, last five minutes of the first half, fourth quarter, if they're down, they're going to be throwing the ball quick and they're going to be throwing it. They're going to be throwing it short and quick. It's going to go out of bounds quickly. They're going to run the ball up and they're going to throw one quick. So I, he should get at least 20 of these attempts in the first half alone. I think this is going to be a guaranteed lock tonight. Um, like I said, it's plus 210, 10 bucks to win 31. And we're going to see where that goes. Hopefully we can go one and one for the first week. And so now we're going to break down the rest of the upcoming slate for week two. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Thursday night game at the end here. So I'm going to leave that one for now. But that, that's going to be a great game. I'm really excited for that one. First game we're going to talk about today, we got five bets for the Sunday slate next week. And that, there's, going to be some, there's going to be some ones you're going to question here, so you've got to bear with me on these. First one's going to be the Bengals bounce back versus the Ravens. Now, if, if you watch Sunday, Bengals had a terrible game. I unfortunately started Joe Burrow week one, and that was my mistake. Um, he has not played good in week one. He didn't play all preseason. He's coming off that injury, the pressure from the new contract against a, uh, not just a division rival, an in-state rival, and they just took advantage of the weather and his, I don't want to say lit, but his unpreparedness. He wasn't really, he wasn't really game ready. Um, it looked like, in, especially in the first half, 30 yards in the first half was just tough. That, that game was a nightmare to watch. Um, but this is another divisional battle, and the Bengals kind of got a tough schedule to start the year. They have back-to-back -back division games where, I mean, th these, these games are big because these are going to be the two teams fighting for the, the division championship with them, the Browns and the Ravens. They can't go down 0-2. That's going to put them in a very tough situation at the end of the year. We saw what happened last year when the – Ravens Bengals game decided who was making the playoffs and who was not. So I think that this this is going to be a big game for the Bengals. There, it's going to be a revenge game. They they can't go down 0-2. They can't get beat like that, and then go into Baltimore and get absolutely cooked again. That that's or excuse me, not even in Baltimore. They're going into they can't get beaten by the Ravens on their home field. And on the other side of the ball, Lamar is still figuring out this new offense. They, they got rid of their offensive coordinator. They're moving towards more of a passing game. They brought in some good receivers for him. But he, 
he still hasn't figured it out. They got lucky with the Texans in the first week. That was a team that just wasn't figured out yet. And he he got lucky. He, like I said, he got lucky. That was a struggle. That was something that I was even shocked to see from Lamar. I thought he was going to do a lot better in the passing game. And I think it, this is going to be another week. He's, he's going to struggle with this, except it's going to be against a good defense. The, this passing game is something completely new to him. It's a, it's a pass run option that is a lot different than the read option that was ran for the last couple of years. And it's, it's going to take some time. I think by, I, I think by week five, week six, he's going to, he's going to definitely be okay. He's going to go back to MVP level, but I, the Bengals are, gonna, are desperate for a win right now. This is a must win game against a division rival. Give me the Bengals money line, and you can even sprinkle a little bit on the spread. The spread's minus three and a half right now, and I'm going to preach right now the importance of getting that bet in now because as we learn more about these teams coming up, that line moves a lot. For example, if you had bet on the Bengals game last week, if you had bet it on Sunday, the spread was plus one and a half, so the Bengals had to lose by less than one point. If you had bet on it two weeks ago, the spread was eight and a half. And they, you would have had, granted, it would have lost either way. But you would have had a much less stressful day worrying about that game. So get these lines in now before Vegas starts moving them. They're so focused on Monday Night Football right now that you could probably sneak these in before they have even time to analyze what's going on. Give me the money line. Sprinkle a little bit on the spread. But since he's going to win this one for sure. The next one we got is going to be a rookie quarterback battle. You got Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud facing off in Houston. Now, if you watch the Colts game, they looked great. Even without JT, they are, they're still trying to find their identity, but they looked like a whole different ball club that we saw last year. And Anthony Richardson, he reminds me a lot of Cam Newton, the way he played. He was taking hits. He was running. He was making the smart play. He he's definitely going to be someone you need to look at um, for the rest of the season because I think he's getting undervalued on that team because they're in rebuild mode. But he's going to – I think he could potentially – I'm putting my money in now for him to get rookie of the year this year, honestly. Um, Stroud, was, Stroud was good. He, he passed pretty well. It was another tough weather game. But he – they're still trying to find this identity. They don't know if they want to focus on Damian Pierce. They don't know – if they want to focus on the wide receivers and it's hard because if they want to focus on the wide receivers, they don't have any wide receivers. Their, their best wide receiver this year wasn't even the fourth best on his team last year. And Robert Woods, it's, it's something that they really have to look at. And I think this Colts team is going to probably pick apart this team. I think it's, uh, I think this is going to be a game that, that, Colts defense is just going to shut them down like Baltimore really didn't have to do much to stop them if you watched it CJ Stroud's first pass was off of someone's helmet to himself for negative six yards like that that kind of summed up the day on the first play of the game and that's something that everyone needs to look at this week um I like I said this this game is going to be all about the Colts I think they're gonna dominate they're they're not gonna let's it's gonna look like San Francisco versus Pittsburgh on the defensive end. They're they're not gonna go anywhere. And it's gonna be a rough day for the Texans offense. So give me the Colts to win. 
Um, but I have another little bet with this one. I like the Colts. I like this game going under. I like the under 40 because of this, because it's two rookie quarterbacks, because it's two teams that don't really have a good wide receiving core. They, they don't really have a lot of players that are capable of making that explosive 70 yard path like play. They, they don't have players that can create their own little runs. Damian Pierce is going to be good, but I think they're, like I said, they're going to focus on him and they're going to shut him down. And without Jonathan Taylor, this team is still one dimensional. Deion Jackson is no Jonathan Taylor. He's it's, he's a good player, but he's not going to get things done. Plus this, the defense looked very solid. The, if you don't look at the score, and you would think that the Texans had won that game. They really made Lamar Jackson struggle with learning this new offense. You have a defensive-minded head coach. You spent a first-round draft pick on a top defensive player. This, this defense is ready to play. It's just their offense needs to find where they're going in their rhythm. So give me the under and give me the Colts to win for that game. Next one we got is going to be the Lions. Are they going to stay hot? That was a big win on Thursday. Everyone's going to put the asterisks because there was no Travis Kelsey, but that was a big win. You go into their house on their championship celebration night and you shut Mahomes down. Like I it's Dan Campbell is gutsy. His offense is just crazy and electric and there, you never know what you're going to get each play with the Lions. And I think that's what makes them so scary is they went for fourth and one on 20 yards away from the other team's end zone. That, that could have ended the game in the first quarter right there. But no one was expecting a fake punt in the first quarter. And this week they're playing at home. They got the Seahawks. And this is a team that really got upset by the Rams. I don't think a lot of people were expecting that one to happen. Um, which we'll talk about the Rams later this week. But Dan Campbell's offense is going to put another test on the Seahawks defense. But this is going to be a pride game for the Seahawks. They went through so much last year and they're going to have they're going to struggle this year because they're going to have to keep up with the Niners. And if they're going to keep up with the Niners, they're going to have to win this week. They're going to have to fight. I think the Lions are still going to finish this off. But don't be surprised if this comes down to a one-score game. The spread on this game right now is six. So if you bet on the Seahawks on the spread, they just have to lose by less than six. I think this game could come down to a field goal. So give me Detroit money line and give me Seattle to cover the spread on this play. I, Detroit's going to win this by at least by a, on a game-winning field goal. I can already see it now. All right, we have two more NFL bets before we get into our final segment. We got. The Chiefs making a big old comeback this week. This is easy. Mahomes is not going to start a season 0-2. If he has to run every ball, he will run every ball. The last time he faced this team, he got hurt. But he still threw for over 300 yards. And with a healthy wide receiver core, with a health, healthy Travis Kelsey back, I haven't seen anything saying if he's not going to play this week. Um, we'll find more about that tomorrow. Um. But I, a lot of a lot of stuff I've heard is trending towards he's going to be there, suited up for week two. That puts a whole new dynamic into this offense. That puts them at a position where they have to focus on Kelsey because they know it's his go-to, and that's going to leave Kadarius Tony open. If he if he remembers how to catch the ball, Kadarius Tony is going to have a big game. It leaves Sky Moore open. It leaves Justin Watson open for that deep ball that Mahomes was trying so many times. 
is this is a game they're gonna have to put up numbers and make a statement. They're they're gonna have to run the score up, and they're gonna have to really like demolish this Jaguars team. Give me Kansas City to cover the spread. Another reason why it's so important to take the spread now before waiting towards the end of the week, this spread is two and a half. The minute Kelsey is listed as available, this is going to jump to almost a touchdown. That, that's what happened the last time. It was, they were, when, they played Can, when they played Detroit, they were favored by at least seven points. When, that got, when news got out that he was out, it dropped to a, to a two and a half point favorite. If you take this now, you're going to have so much of an easier night in case this game gets close. It's two and a half. They just got to win by a field goal. That's, that's nothing to the Chiefs. I also want to take them over 51. This is, this is going to be a game, if they're up 30 in the fourth quarter, they're going to gun it down the field and score another touchdown. They're going to put a statement to show the rest of the league that they're still the Super Bowl champs and they are still one of the best teams in the NFL. Give me Kansas City on the spread, minus two and a half. And give me the over at 51 and a half points. And our final NFL bet to look at for this upcoming week is going to be the New York Giants. We're, like I said, we're not even going to talk about last night. That was ugly. And if you have seen, uh, if you have been on Twitter and you have seen the, the stat that someone found, no team in NFL history during a season has ever lost by 40 to zero, lost the sack difference seven to nothing, lost the turnover battle three to zero, had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown and had a team intercept them for a touchdown happen in a single season. Does never happen to any team in a season. All of that happened last night to the Giants. And if you had the Cowboys defense in your fantasy team, I know you're excited because that was, that was great. I was down 10 points. I looked and I was up 25 with, um, with nothing but my kicker left tonight. Dable's not going to let that happen again. I, he, they're going to be working this team to death this week. They're facing a Cardinals team that's going to be riding a high off a game that I don't think anyone was going to expect to be that close. It was the Commanders, but still, I, no one was expecting a four-point game out of that. I think a lot of people were expecting the Commanders to just run the lead up really fast and then have it be a boring game the rest of the night. But New York teams play for a pride. They play for something that's more than – just football because they have they get a lot of you saw they were getting booed at halftime down 28 to a division rival in the first game of the year they gotta prove something to these teams with that being said it new york is going to have to destroy this team this week they're gonna have to run kickoff returns for touchdowns they're gonna have to let daniel jones bomb it down the field they're gonna have to have saquon run like his life depends on it Give me the Giants to cover the spread, minus four and a half, to absolutely demolish this team. Once again, take this, because once we start getting injury reports, once we start seeing them say, this is how we're going to play the game this week, that line is going to move so quickly. And if you can, if, it, if you see it drop lower, take it again. This is something I, I would not be surprised if this team wins by 20 points this week. That's my go. These are my five bets this week. My five games to watch. We got the Bengals to win. We got... Uh, the Colts to win. We got the Lions to win. Chiefs to blow out the Jags and the Giants to dominate the Cardinals to finish the week. Those are the five bets. We're going to have a full write-up written about that on Wednesday as well to get you guys ready for the week. Make sure to subscribe to us on sub, substack.com at, for frequency's sake, where you'll get not only 
uh, updated value plays for the NFL and MLB season from me. You'll get other stories from our other contributors as well. And so we're going to end this segment. We're going to end the show today on a little new segment that we're going to do. We were looking at doing this last year. We couldn't get enough motion off the ground first, but we're going to be running a little promotion for the season. We're going to be doing, we're going to call it squad ride Thursdays. So what we're going to do is after the game tonight, I'm going to be putting up a poll on Google polls. We're going to be putting it on the end of this video. We're going to be putting it on our Twitter pages and we're going to be, we're going to be putting it on YouTube. We're going to put it all over the place. And you guys get to pick what we bet for Thursday night. We're going to put it. So for the Thursday night game, it's going to be a good game. Eagles versus Vikings. You guys get to pick if we want to take the Eagles on the spread or the Vikings on the spread or take the over or the under. And whatever the fan base decides off that poll, we're going to put $10 on it every single week. And when we do that, the money at the end, we're going to count up all the money at the end of the season off the wins. And we're going to put all that money on one bet on the Super Bowl that the squad decides, the fans decide. And when we and what we'll do from there is we pick a random winner out of one of our followers. And if that bet wins, that random follower will get all the cash. So you could potentially win a couple hundred dollars off this. We're working on a way to get this all set up so it'll be nice and easy and a smooth process. So be sure to check out our Twitter. Be sure to check out um, our TikTok pages. Be sure to check out on YouTube. Um, we're going to be having this squad play posted up tomorrow. You guys decide the voting will end at 12 p.m. on Thursday, where we will put in our bet on covering which team spread or the over or the under. And if you like and follow us over on Gotham Gambling on Twitter, um, you'll be put at the end of the season. We'll make a post if you like, as long as you're a follower, we'll put you guys in for that drawing. The winner is going to get the whole cash pile. All right, guys, that will be it. The, next, the final game of week one is going to be starting in about 10, 15 minutes. Be sure to get those bets in. And once again, check us out on Twitter at Gotham Gambling. We posted a full card of baseball bets, football bets. Actually, our football bets just posted now at 8 o'clock for the night game, the ones we talked about here today. We're going to be writing a story every Wednesday, finding value on the MLB slate, on the uh, football slate for that weekend, and we might even sprinkle a little college plays in. I'm still a little iffy on college this year. We'll see what we can do. Full write-ups are going to be posted nearly every day. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and have a great night.